Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Oh. I'm going to take a deep breath this morning. I hope you are as well. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. I don't know about you, but I stayed up too late last night. Um, Had occasion to uh, spend an evening with some folks who are in town for the Christian uh, Music Broadcasters event. And um, and so had wonderful, wonderful time to worship and fellowship, but, you know, got to bed way later than normal. So... Good morning um, on this beautiful day that the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. So our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from John chapter 10. And I'm going to read it out of the translation um, that, uh, you know, that we use here at Faith Radio to, um, to share these verses with you. And I think part of that is that we would be reading it in um, in a translation that maybe is different than the one that we know by heart. So if you know John 10, 9 through 10, or 9 through 11, or 12, or, you know, on and on and on, if you know this passage by heart, this is going to sound a little different. So this is Jesus speaking. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pasture The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is also the gate of the sheep. Um, And there is an enemy who would seek to kill and steal and destroy the sheep. Um, If you want to just spend some time looking at passages throughout the scripture where God talks about sheep and God talks about not only himself as the shepherd, but other shepherds, shepherds who are like him and charged by him to care and tend for the flock. I'm thinking here even about the way Jesus instructs Peter in John chapter 21. Um, you know, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, yes, Lord, I love you. You know, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep, care for my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Peter's feelings were hurt that Jesus had to ask him a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Care for my little lambs. Be a good shepherd after the heart of the one who is the good shepherd. When you think of Jesus as the good shepherd or the gate of the sheep, I'm wondering what else comes to mind. Jesus is um, the way, which is narrow, not wide. Jesus is the truth. Truth isn't a what, but a who. Jesus is the light, and he shines in the darkness, and then he sends us forth to be reflections of his light into the world that he so loves, that um, we might be light bearers and um, 
Others might see our good works and glorify God who is in heaven. Jesus is the living water. Are you parched today? He's the bread of life. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? He's the resurrection and the life. And yes, there is a thief, a father of lies who comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says in John 10, a little bit later in the same chapter, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Oh, little sheep, my fellow sheep, Let us find ourselves today in the fold of the Lord. He is the good shepherd. I shall not want. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. This is my right. A right given by God. To live a Life, to live in freedom. Joining us this morning, our friend Ben Johnson. You can follow him on Twitter at The Rights Writer. He's also a senior reporter and editor at The Washington Stand. That's WashingtonStand.com. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Carmen. So I, uh, I took a deep breath this morning at the beginning of the program because I... Um, I stayed out later last night than is normal for me. And so I just was acknowledging this morning that I'm I'm a little bit weary and I'm wondering if it's more than just not getting a full night's sleep. So I feel like there's a, um, I don't want to say a foreboding, but I do feel a heaviness in the culture and the uh, the midterm elections sort of didn't help with that. No, they certainly didn't. Uh, you know, the, the outcome particularly... Uh, on on the um, the races that are uh, still outgoing, uh, mm. still ongoing, and, and there's still no answer to them. Uh, that that I think adds to the sense of foreboding that uh, not only is is there uh, uh, you know, a, a, a divided country, obviously so deeply divided on the most fundamental issues, but that uh, it's impossible for us even to get an answer on how divided we really are. Yeah, my mom um, lives in Georgia. And or that's where she votes. I mean, she, you know, I don't know. They're kind of like they're 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 seasonal migrants, my people. But um, they do technically live in Georgia. And so they get to vote a lot. They get to vote often, much more often than some of us who live in other places. And she was commenting yesterday um, really about recognizing just how narrowly divided the country is. And she says, you know, I I just. I just don't experience that in my personal relationships. But obviously, half of the people in the country do not think and believe the way I think and believe. And she's looking even at her own neighbors a little bit differently because she she thought that, you know, the county that she lives in, the state that she lives in, ref- is more reflective of her values than obviously it is. And so I think that no matter how you voted and no matter which side of the political aisle you might find yourself on, there is this growing or deepening awareness that we are a deeply divided country. And you and I would point to 
the division and the difference of worldview related to that, because how we vote and how we um, understand the cultural issues of the day grows out of and deeply is deeply influenced by our worldview. What well, absolutely is uh, everything that we do should be reflective of our faith. Uh, that's that's really the the core of of who we are. Uh, that's the core of our identity. It tells us what's right and wrong. It tells us uh, what's good or evil. And it tells us how to love our fellow man, which is the most important thing that we can do fundamentally. Um, we have not only the, the duty and the commandment to love others, but then there has to be that specificity of the gospel, which tells us how we can love other people. And uh, it's, it's specifically that last component that uh, has most eroded over time. Most people would still say, yes, I love people, although I am deeply concerned uh, that that is eroding and has been eroding for some time. That's something we've discussed over multiple election cycles, that uh, America is unraveling in uh, the, the mystic chords of memory, as Abraham Lincoln said, that unite us uh, as one people and unite us in, in uh, charity toward one another instead of uh, malice for all and charity for none. So that the, it does concern me that uh, we are breaking apart that way. But more fundamentally, we have a larger number of people who do not believe at all. And then we have a real question among believers as to what the content of that faith is. So uh, the fundamental things are up for grabs. And that's the sort of thing that you see on these uh, this, this outcome that uh, on, on various not only uh, races, but even even specific ballot issues that have come before people where people get to di- directly uh, vote in an Athenian democratic way on issues that are fundamental. And those issues end up going in a way that you would think is inexplicable, like uh, Montana voting down a bill for those who would be born alive. So it's, it's those sorts of differences that uh, I think are most concerning to us. Uh, one thing we do know is that uh, uh, there are forefathers in the faith lived in much darker times and the gospel prevailed. The other thing we know is it prevailed because they gave themselves completely to it and they had no higher priority. That's where I think we may be different from our forefathers. All right. We're going to unpack some of these, um, um, some of these referendums, some of these ballot issues, as you talked about, because I, I was so confident yesterday that Montana um, had actually positively affirmed um, the Born Alive initiative that that I shared with folks that, you know, it had passed, although narrowly. And now um, that's uh, it's on the verge of failure. Like we're still I think I, I don't know if it's still a toss up in relationship to it. 17 hours ago, 16 hours ago. Let's see. Montana legislature referendum 131 election results, born alive infants regulation. Here's the New York Times reporting on it seven minutes ago. So I'm going to read in on this really quickly um, before we come back. It does uh, now appear with 89% of the votes in in Montana. The measure failed. See, I just, now I'm like gobsmacked and utterly heartbroken. Um, All right, I'm going to gather myself. Ben Johnson and I will be back in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here, and we all need prayer. And, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. 
So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com and then be assured of our prayers for you in the spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Give me faith like Daniel in the lion's den. Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness. Give me I'm Carmen LeBurge listening to Mornings with Carmen. Uh, ben Johnson is here with us on this Thursday morning, November the 10th, and there are still results coming in from not only um, elections across the country, but ballot measures and ballot initiatives as well. Um, and so we're going to hone in on this Montana legislation, Referendum 131, Born Alive Infants, um, is the conversation here. Uh, and, you know, it depends how you read this and how you understand it, but this language of, um, here's, a, here's the opening sentence from the New York Times on this topic this morning, updated just seven minutes ago. The measure would enact a law making an infant born alive at any gestational age a legal person. Let's just focus on that for a second. It would be a law making an infant born alive. Is the word infant, Ben, does that not mean a a, a baby human being? Isn't that what an uh, infant is? You, you know, communication has never been our strong point in the movement, unfortunately. And you can see that uh, reflected because, unfortunately, uh, what they're quoting is the direct language that appears on the ballot. Uh, you know, there are a million ways to say born alive infant protection act and what it does uh, to explain that children are born alive during botched abortions and that if uh, if a child is born alive during one of these cases, uh, that the child deserves every medical ability to be able to live a complete life. That's all that the measure would have established. And yet they worded it in such a way that it's possible to uh, to twist that. Uh, so, you know, that uh, uh, the, the exact wording, an act adopting the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, protecting that infants born alive, including infants born alive after an abortion are legal persons, requiring health care providers, which is a problematic term uh, when it comes to abortion, to take necessary action to preserve the life of a born alive infant, providing a penalty, providing the proposed, and, and it goes on in the sort of legalese, uh, which makes it possible for uh, the other side to take uh, the position that it did, uh, in, in this case and in uh, Kentucky, where uh, uh, there were, un- unfortunately, abortion was sort of a shutout everywhere that it appeared on the ballot nationally. Uh, everywhere that this happened, they followed the Kansas model, which is to say that uh, this is going to stifle people's rights, that it's going to remove an existing right, or that it will completely criminalize every abortion everywhere for any reason, uh, including the most tragic cases of, uh, of a child who would die uh, if uh, uh, after having been raped uh, without uh, an abortion or an ectopic pregnancy. So uh, it's it's that sort of language ambiguity and legalese, mm. uh, which is helping fuel this, in addition to the fact that they were massively outspent uh, pretty much everywhere. All right, let's do a good news story. Let's talk about school vouchers. Um, they really are making it possible for a whole lot of people to access not only much better education, but faith-based education. Can you can you bring us up to date on what's happening with school vouchers across the country? Well, uh, there was a wonderful story by the Associated Press, which is not something that I say every day, as you know, as, a, <laughs> as someone who formally looks at uh, the media. And uh, particularly, they went into its impact, uh, the impact of school choice on minority communities, uh, 
for for uh, African American communities, uh, for Native American communities, uh, it's it's just a, a splendid and, and Hispanics as well, and really it's it's a splendid story. Um, simply put, uh, when people have access to different kinds of uh, uh, educational choices, we we know without any question because the studies have been there for years. Um, private schools, parochial schools. Typically, students who goes to go to private or parochial schools end up doing 10 points better on uh, each side of the NAEP test. Uh, it's been that way consistently for decades. And um, the, it's, it's true that generally there's a greater educational attainment for those who are raised in a faith-based environment, including a faith-based school. So giving that kind of access to, uh, to communities where uh, there's there's already an educational deficit. There's not a good public school. The public school maybe isn't safe. Uh, that that is something that uh, benefits everyone, and it's it's really nice to see that uh, reflected by the Associated Press. All right, and then I'm reading um, here on at WashingtonStand.com a piece that you have posted um, about a soccer player. Well, okay. This this seems crazy. He's going to jail for saying that God created Adam and Eve. Uh, it it is very crazy. Thankfully, it's not a U.S. based story yet. Uh, this this is happening for uh, one of the most legendary uh, f- soccer players over there. They call it football players uh, in the history of Greece. And uh, this gentleman back in 2017 was commenting on a law that was being adopted by his home country of Greece would make it easier for people to change their genders legally, including dropping that down to the age of 15. Uh, On legal documents, a 15-year-old could identify with the opposite gender and would have to be legally respected by the government. And he wrote a couple of posts, none of which say anything that uh, would come across as incendiary, at least not in the way that my Greek reads and, and in the translations that I've seen. The second one says, and I quote, God created Adam and Eve. For that, uh, just this past month, uh, he was given a suspended sentence of 10 months and a suspended fine of 5,000 euros. So now the fact that it was suspended, you say, so nothing's really happening to him, except this is always the way that these laws happen. Uh, you know, The income tax was only supposed to apply to the first uh, two or 3% of the millionaires and billionaires in this country. And uh, now we know how that works out for each one of us every April. So this law, uh, it was the first prosecution of its kind under an anti-racism law in Greece, which um, uh, also includes sexual orientation and gender identity. He's being prosecuted for citing the biblical creation account in the book of Genesis, which tells us how, how um, frightening and terrifying these words must be to those who frame this, because uh, I think everyone realizes the biblical account is the account that's still shared by most people in Western society, whether they consider themselves people of faith or not. Uh, we understand and recognize what the science has to say, but we also believe that it, the hand of God creates every one of us. There's more to us than a simple evolution of cells under a microscope. Uh, there is something that is God-given, and in some way, the way that we're born in every aspect reflects God's intention in, uh, for the way that we are to help and serve others. That includes Genesis 1.27. And uh, in, in the article at Washington Stand, I also cite a case that we talked about back in 2019 
a British court ruling that, and I quote, belief in Genesis 127, lack of belief in transgenderism, and conscientious objection to transgenderism, in our judgment, are incompatible with human dignity. So there's been an update in that case in England. Uh, the, the Court of Appeals essentially said that uh, it's not against human dignity to believe in Genesis 127. That's a relief. But at the same time, uh, they still ruled against the gentleman who was fired from his job as a doctor because he said that he would not uh, refer to, and these are his words, uh, to any six-foot-tall bearded man as madam. So uh, ultimately, the Bible uh, has, has at least one legal strike against it in uh, the courts in Greece, and it has uh, a mixed record in courts in England. Uh, the fact of the matter is that the courts seem to be criminalizing those who believe in a biblical worldview uh, in other countries. And I think it would be, be extraordinarily naive for us to believe that it would be restricted to those countries and it couldn't possibly happen here. All right. I don't know if you're following it, but um, I, I hope maybe I can give you an assignment here. There is apparently an able-bodied, genetically male Norwegian person who not only identifies as female, but also identifies as disabled. Um, and um, I, I think there's, I think we need to know more about that. I think that uh, this, this notion that you can declare yourself to be anything and it, it's not a violation of the rights of other people who are genuinely living in this case with very real disabilities. So anyway, I'm I'm uh, I'm teeing that up for you to do some research on. Well, I am most appreciative. I, I did see the story, mm. and you know there there was a a gentleman who sent uh, one of it was one of these roving reporter segments uh, where he went out uh, and asked people if I were to tell you I was a seven foot tall uh, Chinese woman, what would you say? And uh, the only thing that they objected to was the fact that he said he was Chinese. So. Uh, apparently there are certain bounds to, to just quite how far, but uh, it makes you wonder, why can't you change your, your, your age, your identity? Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. why can't I change my uh, Powerball status, uh, in, in the mm -hmm. eyes of the government? So it, there, it makes you wonder why, if we can bend reality on one factor, why can't we change others? And what, uh, what, in, what effect does the roving repeal of reality have on broader society and our ability to live as a community? Yeah. Let's 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 definitely all keep um keep paying attention to the uh to the white line on the right side of the car and the yellow line on the left side of the car and stay in between those uh wherever we uh come and go today. <clears throat> those are those are those are important boundaries and um yeah, there are other important boundaries, but let's at least pay attention to that one today. Ben, as always, thank you so much for keeping us uh between the lines. We appreciate it. Thank you. Always my pleasure. God bless. That's Ben Johnson. You can find him at Washington Stand. The article we discussed today on uh, a, a soccer star jailed for messaging God created Adam and Eve. And um, you can find the other links to the to the conversations we had today in today's show notes, which will be posted later at MyFaithRadio.com or anywhere that you subscribe to Mornings with Carmen as a podcast. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. You got something to say If you're living, if you're breathing You got something to say One way to think about the creation narrative is Hey, somebody needs to turn on the light And God did So in the beginning, God said what? Let there be 
light. And there was light. God spoke into darkness and created a world full of brilliant light. That's the opening page of um, this wonderful new children's book, The Biggest Best Light. Daniel Darling's going to join us next about shining God's love into the world around us, being bright, shiny light. So here's a couple of verses to whet our appetites for this conversation. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness is passing away and the real light is already shining. If we say we're in the light and yet we hate others, we're actually in the darkness. If we love others, we live in the light. And so there is nothing in us that will cause someone else to sin. First John 2, 8 to 10. And First John 1, 5 through 7, God is light and there is no darkness at all in him. If we live in the light just as he is in the light, then we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from every sin. We're going to talk with Daniel Darling about light, about the biggest, best light, and about how we need to be shining as lights in the world that God so loves that others would see our good works and glorify God who is in heaven. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We love to talk with Dan about pretty much anything he ever wants to talk about. And today he joins us as the co-author of The Biggest Best Light. So we're going to talk about shining God's love into the world around you. Dan, welcome back. Carmen, thanks for having me. It's It's been too long. It's been totally too long. I saw um, one of your books, um, the one about the, the the people that gather at the manger. Which one is that? It's red and it the has... Char- the characters of Christmas. Mm-hmm. The characters of Christmas. I saw that highlighted in some app that I was scrolling around in where they were suggesting, hey, if you, you know, if you join us today, like here's one of the 50 books you can get all in for like 20 bucks. And I was like, oh, well, it's worth the price just to get Dan's book. So there you go. Uh, super oh, well, fun, but your like your stuff's like out there in really sometimes surprising places and spaces, and um, and I love that. And we should revisit the characters of Christmas in the lead up to Advent. But today we got a new book to talk about: the biggest, best light, shining God's love into the world around you. Here's what I want to cover in our conversation. Um, I want I want you to help us see the difference between um, light and dark, but the relationship between light and love and the relationship between darkness and sin. I know that for a children's book, people are going to be like, wow, that's a heavy lift, but that's actually where you take us. So talk about why why you wrote this, the collaborative process, um, and then give us a little window into it. Well, this is a book that uh, my friend, Brianna Stensrud, and I have been talking about doing for a while. You know, we we both have been um, talking about human dignity and, and uh, the pro-life cause uh for a number of years uh of course i wrote the book the dignity revolution and uh, we we thought is there something we could write for kids that help them really understand um or begin to understand what it means that every part you know every human is created in the image of god and kind of you know the the story of of the gospel that the world was once good that uh, something happened in the world to to mess it up and to to uh make humans turn in on one another but what what can be done? What is God is doing in Christ to restore the world? And I think you know, kids today, 
you know, they, they instinctively understand, they look around and they wonder, and they have questions like why bad things happen. Uh, why is there violence? Why is, why do you know, people die? Why, why is the world dark uh, at times? Um, and so I think there's an opportunity for parents to really at an early age, you know, set the, the story that the scriptures tell in the hearts of their kids. So you take us um, to the very beginning, but you um, but the you then help us see how the light of God um, is manifest in the lives of people as image bearers, and um, and then how we as um, as children of light reflect that you know into the world around us, even you know even when times are dark. Um, talk, talk about the connection between being an image bearer of God um, and and being, you know, like this light bearer of that, which is the biggest and best light. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, the Bible always talks in terms of light and darkness. I mean, um, uh, the New Testament does this qu- quite a bit. And I think it's a, it's an apt metaphor that people understand that that there's such a, sometimes it seems there's such a darkness in the world. Uh, there's so many things going on, and we're more aware of those things because of social media and the way that we, we're just inundated with news. But the message of, of the gospel is that um, uh, the light is coming to the world and the darkness has not overcome it. Of course, the light being Jesus. And so those of us who, you know, have been uh, rescued and redeemed by Christ, uh, Jesus said that we're the light of the world, that we reflect the light of Christ in the world. And in so much as we follow Jesus and we, we um, look around and, and love our neighbors and we tell the good news of the gospel we're showing sort of pinpricks of light in a dark world. We're 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 pointing people to a, another world, to a better world. That that this is not all there is. That that God is at work renewing and restoring uh, what was broken. Um, I'm going to make an observation about the illustrations, and then you're probably going to tell me, well, yeah, Carmen. Not only is that intentional, but it's reflective of the reality of the world that we live in. Um, so the people in this book are very colorful, mm. which I love. It's not just their yeah, clothes we, that are colorful. Um, the people in this book are colorful and they're, and they're joyfully engaging and interacting side by side um, with one another in what appear to be like real relationships and genuine community. Well, we wanted to be really intentional with the illustrations, uh, especially when we're talking about the Imago Dei and um, the fact that every person is made in the image of God and has worth and dignity. Be you know not not just because of what they can bring, but because they're stamped with the image of God. So we want to really try to represent the full mosaic of the image of God. Uh, I think of Revelation seven, where it talks about people from every nation, tribe, and tongue coming before the throne of God. And, you know, that, that God's heart delights in, in diversity. And so I think we, we really, uh, Brianna and I really wanted to make sure that the illustrator could capture that. And I, and I really think she has. So we were designed um, to live in the light and we're designed to be people who reflect the biggest, best light, the biggest, best lights, the title of the book, Dan Darling is here Today, I'm talking with us about it. And yep, we got copies to give away. So if you want to text the word book to 877-933-2484, you can enter the drawing for the copies of The Biggest Best Light, Shining God's Love into the World Around You that we have to give away today. Um, Dan, I think that when we, um, 
when we talk with kids about light and darkness, like this is not a difficult concept for them to get because they they have an instinctive fear of the dark. I don't I don't know why mm-hmm. that is, but we do have an instinctive fear of the dark. Kids like to have a night light on. Um, we like to sing this little light of mine. Talk a little bit with us about you know that you know b- between these ages of four and seven, this is really prime real estate in terms of. Um, the formation of a child's worldview and their understanding. Um, we don't want them to walk in fear. We do want them to both discover and walk in the biggest, best light. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. I, I mean, I really think it's important for parents to be intentional about shaping and forming our kids' hearts. You know, we have four kids. We have uh, two teens and two preteens. But when they were little, we really tried early on to, to help them understand and see the world from a from a biblical worldview because the kids are getting messages you know why is the world messed up why why do bad things happen and there's a lot of kind of competing messages or even this idea that you know if you search deep within you you can find you know find yourself and all those things and what we're we're trying to say is actually the bible tells a different story that the reason that um first it says that human beings are created in the image of god every human being has worth and dignity which is an important thing for our kids to understand that there there are no uh you know, random humans. There are no people that were not crafted with care by God in in the womb. Um, they all have worth and dignity. But also, it's important to teach our kids the reason why human beings are tempted to turn in on one another in violence and and, mm. and um, you know hurting each other. Why we try to diminish and and assault the the dignity of others through all kinds of things, whether it's war, or, uh, abortion, or racism, or other things. Why is that? You know, why does that happen? I think there's a lot of solutions. A lot of ideas in the world of why people do things they do, but they're unsatisfactory. And and we, we want to present kids, uh, give parents a tool to teach their kids that the reason people are tempted to do that, the reason we're tempted to do this, because something happened in the garden that that every human being that's born uh, is born into sin. And because of the sin, uh, it, it tends us away from our maker and toward the enemy. But because Christ has come to uh to save us, that we can then uh, not be part of the darkness, but be part of the light, that we can be part of the light of the world. We can be part of what God is doing in the world. So I really think it's important for parents to catechize their kids intentionally uh, because their kids are going to, our kids are going to be formed and shaped uh, regardless. It's just, we have to ask ourselves, what messages do we want them to be shaped by? Do we want Mm -hmm. them to be shaped by the truth of the word of the gospel talks about light and darkness or do we want them to shape by other messages that are not true and unsatisfactory we're talking with dan darling the book is the biggest best light it's a children's book it's really designed um for those of you who have children in your life that are like four to seven that's kind of the perfect age range um in terms of having these kinds of conversations at this level um if you've got a child in your life that's in that uh age span and you would like to enter the drawing for the copies of The Biggest Best Light we're giving away today. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. And we'll be right back for more with Dan Darling. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. 
Com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Dan Darling. Um, you can find Dan in, in, in all the socials. I like to follow him on Twitter, at Daniel Darling. Um, he works in what I will describe as the Christian worldview space, equipping Christians um, every single day uh, at all levels of influence uh, to to bear the light of Christ into the world that God so loves. Today, he brings us um, a children's book, The Biggest Best Light, um, which he has uh, co-authored. The art is also um, really engaging. I think uh, that in terms of a child's response, um, they're going to like the pictures. It's going to be a wonderful opportunity to talk about the differences that we do see in people um, and that differences are beautiful. Um, differences are not um, are not scary and they don't make people something other than people. Uh, they just make it they just reveal to us the heart of God in creating such a wonderfully beautifully diverse um reflection of himself both male and female so it's a um a great opportunity to en- engage your children not only with the genesis narrative but with the reality of God's light shining in the world and how God desires the, his light to shine through us as well as light bearers so if you're interested in entering the drawing text the word book to 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four. Dan, I want to talk a little bit about the light bearing and the light bearers. Um, like this idea that it's God's purpose that we would bear light. Can you talk a little bit about that and help us understand that? You know, at a child level. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think it goes back to the, to the story that the Bible tells that um, God did create the world. To, uh, God created the world good. Uh, he, he set his image bearers, uh, human beings, uh, he set image bearers in the garden to create and to cultivate, to reflect his glory. Uh, and then obviously we know something happened that something corrupted the human experience, something corrupted, corrupted um, the world. We, we understand, I mean, I think everyone instinctively understands something's not right, you know, with, with people People are messed up. The world's messed up. Why is that? And the Bible says that there's a darkness that came into the world through through sin, through Satan, uh, but that God already had a plan to uh, to rescue his creation and rescue the world. And Jesus, we're told, is the light of the world. And he's come into the world and that uh, the light has come into the world and darkness has not overcome it. And he has tasked his followers to be bearers of his light to show the light of the world, to be the light of the world, and to not hide it. Jesus said not to hide our light, but to shine it. And that means a couple of things. That means that we are to communicate the good news that God has come in Christ to save us from our sins and to and is uh, has come to renew and restore the world. But it also means us, by our words and our deeds, by our actions in the world, uh, bearing light, you know, showing showing the world what light looks like. And that could look like a lot of different things. It could be, you know, helping someone who's in distress. It could be rescuing people who are victims of a natural disaster. It could be um, 
you know, helping a local public school could be uh, feeding the poor, um, could be standing up for the unborn. All those things are ways that we are bearers of God's light. And one of the messages that we share when we bear uh, God's light and when we uh, serve and act as uh, the light of the world, reflecting the light of Christ, one of the messages we share is this uniquely Christian message that every human being has worth and dignity. So even those people who society kind of puts on the margins, even the people that we're tempted to pass by, the people that we that are sort of invisible to us, um, in in God's world, uh, according to to what God has said, that those people have value, that everyone has dignity and value. You know, the early church, when uh, one of the things that marked the early church in the first century was was not just their distinctive beliefs it, it was that but it's also the way they acted the way that they they moved toward the vulnerable in ways that were shocking and surprising in the greco-roman culture and i think for us as christians that's that's why the way that we bear the light we share the good news of the gospel but we also show that hey there's a better way than the way that people want to live that god has a better way for them the creator has a better way for them and um that every person has value and, and worth Dan, um, pivoting just slightly, because you have the opportunity to um, to talk with a broad range of people on a number of platforms into um, sort of the, the contest of light and darkness in the days in which we live and all of the myriad shades of gray in between where people seem to enjoy inhabiting shadowy spaces. Um, you have recently said um, that I can be socially conservative, but not crazy. <laughs> I appreciate that distinction. Like when we're talking about developing the mind of Christ on the matters of the day, it's not just about knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is about how we articulate those positions and how we present um, the, the, the right in the midst of wrong. Um, there's a way about doing it that really matters. There really is. And one of my guiding verses is First uh, Peter 3.15, which which says, have an answer for every person for the hope that lies within you. So uh, we should have answers to the questions of the age. People are asking a lot of questions, and we as God's people, knowing the, the truth of Scripture, we, we should have answers for that. We should speak out on things that are important and uh, with conviction and boldness. But then he says, but do it with gentleness and kindness. And, you know, Peter who is no shrinking violet, who was ready to pull out a sword and, and kill if he needed to, who who was martyred for his faith, nevertheless says um, courage and civility both go together, that the loudest person in the room is not all, often the most brave, and that God doesn't just care what we say, but how we say it. And I think there's this, there's especially a desire for this today. Uh, you know, we live in very unstable times, very uncertain times of economic disruption. We have... Um, social disruption. We've gone through COVID and, and racial tensions and people are, are nervous and scared. And, and it's the kind of people, the kind of leaders who are steady, who are calm, who are firm in their convictions, who are a calming presence that people are really going to gravitate to. This doesn't mean we abandon our convictions. This doesn't mean we back down on what we believe. I think we can, we can stand up for those, even, even in the area of politics. I, I think of some of the Folks around the country who won, who are staunchly pro-life, some of these governors who have not uh, budged an inch on their pro-life convictions, and yet they won majorities because they they had a calming presence. But I think some of the candidates who um, kind of uh, signaled a, a bit of, I don't say extremism, but uh, a, a bit of like instability, 
people kind of moved away from those folks. And so I think the message is um, that you could have you sh- Christians can and should engage and have their beliefs. But the way that we carry ourselves matters. You know, we we're not just in the business of proclaiming truth. We also want to persuade people. And that's why uh, the shape of our arguments matters. Thank you for all the ways that um, you help us live into that. Um, tell people what you're what you're doing now, where you are, what you're doing. I know you're going to be teaching uh, a course here shortly. We'll be praying for you in the midst of that. Um, help people kind of like see where you are and what's happening in the life of Dan Darling. Well, I have the privilege of leading the Land Center for Cultural Engagement here at Southwestern Seminary and Texas Baptist College. Um, and I also teach in the college. I'm an assistant professor of faith and culture. And uh, really, our centers really try to help Christians think through moral and ethical issues. What does it look like to be a faithful Christian in the 21st century? And we're also trying to raise up the next generation of leaders, whether it's business leaders or or, or civic leaders or pastors, to really uh, help uh, articulate what it means to be a Christian uh, in this age. And so really excited about what, what God is doing here uh, in Texas uh, at the Land Center. All right. And the best place for people to connect with you, like your preferred place. Well, um, you can go to my website, danieldarling.com. You could follow me on social media at Dan Darling. Um, you can also check out the Land Center, the landcenter.org. Uh, all those places you can find me and uh, you can find Love my that. books and, and everything else there. Yeah, you're super easy to find. Daniel Darling uh, might be what you're looking for, danieldarling.com. Um, you can also yes. find him at the landcenter.org. Hey, uh, brother, thank you so much. It's a delight. It's great to reconnect. Well, thank you, Carmen, for having me. Such a privilege, and I'm grateful for the work that you're doing here on the radio. Thank you so much. All right. In addition to um, the biggest, best light, this is a good time of year to check out the characters of Christmas. If you don't already have a copy of that, because that's a really good one for Advent. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Uh, all right, one um, one quick headline here um, before we move to another hour of Mornings with Carmen. Here's a good news note this morning. Russia has announced a retreat from the regional capital of Kherson in Ukraine. Um, this is according to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Russia announced a withdrawal of its troops from the southern city of Kherson and surrounding areas, the only regional capital that Moscow had seized since its invasion in February um, and so uh, Russian forces have been ordered to withdraw to the eastern bank of the river. Um, and so that is a really, really good sign. Um, and uh, if if Ukraine wins Kherson, this is according to NBC News, it could put the Zelensky uh, government in a better position than to negotiate, um, you know, a, a full restoration of um, normalcy. Whatever, whatever the new normal will be achieved. So let's be praying ardently, ardently in this direction today that God would continue to press light into the darkness of that particular situation. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.